Seven minutes past six o'clock, seven o'clock. <laughs> Inauspicious start here. It's Iron Sports with Mike and John, 95.9, the true oldies channel. Buckle up, buckle up, buckaroos. So much to get to here as we wind down Super Bowl 52. And guys, it was a good one. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But first, Ira. Where have you been this past week? Uh, jet setting, I'm, sh- I'm sure. I was not at the Super Bowl, but I was at the Houston-Cleveland game in Cleveland and saw that disaster going on. What, that. Would you even call that a game? Um, <laughs> I think that Cleveland ran around on defense a little bit and let's just Houston dunk the ball and shoot threes. So that was probably what happened. <laughs> um, Sean McGregor is with us as always. Sean, what'd you end up doing for the Super Bowl? I actually just had a few people over at my house, mostly family, uh, cooked some wings, barbecued a little bit, but it was nice. Plenty of uh, topics to, to talk about. There's a lot of stories that are coming out now after the fact, which always seems to happen uh, with the Super Bowl. The refs are, of course, being scrutinized. We'll talk about that as well. But first, let's just get our takeaways. Ira, this was a good Super Bowl, in my opinion. What's your takeaways, and you know, wh- how did the game play out to you? There's first of all when I meet somebody and I, they don't really know about football and I'm watching a game for the first time, I say the easiest thing to help them like enjoy the game is say it's there's three downs to get a first down and then you have a fourth down and you can see the down markers and you see where have to get the ball and it really boils down to that you have to keep moving those chains until you score a touchdown and the. New England Patriots did everything right during the entire game to move the ball down. But in that first half, they were unable to convert on third down after third down, which cost them the game. They were 5 of 10 on conversions. On the other hand, the Eagles, when it mattered most, in that fourth quarter, when they had to have that drive to win the Super Bowl, they converted on their fourth downs and third downs and fourth downs. They were mm-hmm. 10 of 16 on third down conversions and two of two on fourth down conversions. Yeah. And so to me, that was the key. I think the Patriots' inability, and I love to run down this in a second, but the Patriots' inability to jump out on the Eagles and take that lead and put that pressure on Foles and make Foles play from behind, that's what I think it killed them. They lost that game in the first half, not the second half. Was there ever pressure on Nick Foles that entire game? I mean, the running game was fantastic. Fantastic, and that's going to help. But they had no shot at getting to Foles ever. Pressure getting to him, no. And also pressure feeling you're in a game behind and you have to make plays. When Blake Bortles had to go and make a play in the Jacksonville game, it was this third. The only time Foles was behind, 33-32. But he's still in his mindset. I'm down 33. I'm down one point. I just need a field goal. And they were able to take the ball from nine minutes down to two minutes. So clearly, they never put physical pressure on Foles, and they never put mental pressure on Foles. You kind of saw that from the jump. I mean, the first play of the game, I think, they picked up six and a half yards, and the New England Patriots brought the house. I mean, they they literally blitzed, I think, like seven or eight guys, and Philadelphia just brushed them aside, and and I think Ajayi went for six and a half. There was a couple of storylines uh, to this game uh, for me. We want to hear from you, though. What's your take on uh, yesterday's Super Bowl? 877-960-9960, the number to jump in. 877-960-9960. It's Iron Sports, 95.9, the true oldies channel. You alluded to it, Ira. They could not get the Eagles off the field. Every third down, you just kind of knew in your head, man, this is not Patriot-esque. Usually that's what the Patriots are good at. Ben, don't break. They got broken yesterday. They, they, could just, they kept the ball. They kept it moving. I will give a lot of credit to the Eagles. They said, this is our, this is our style. A lot of people go into pick games at the Patriots. What are we going to do? We, how do we adapt to the Patriots? We're not adapting to you. You're going to try to beat us at our game. Eagles played their game. They were physical, and they won because of it. 
Well, and and I think in the first half, just to go, when I'm sitting there, and I, I of course, predicted 41-13 New England. I'm not running away from my pick. (laughs) I'm not running away. And I said, because I said the Eagles' defense was a fraud. I thought they were frauds. They gave up 613 yards. (laughs) I mean, we sat down to watch the Super Bowl, and a Big 12 game broke up. I was, on September 23rd, Oklahoma played Baylor. The score was 49-41. There was Oklahoma with Mayfield had 625 yards, Baylor 523. No one said there was any defense there in that game. And that's what we saw right now. Didn't they break the record for most combined yards in like the middle of the third quarter? There was, there was uh, what was it, 13 minutes left in the third quarter or something like that, and they set the Super Bowl record for most yards in the Super Bowl. It, it, absolutely ridiculous. I mean, totally a fun game to watch. And, you know, we talked about it last week. You get into those situations when you're playing the or watching the Patriots, and you just know that they're going to turn it on. And now, well, here comes Tom Brady. I never really felt that yesterday. There was a couple of glimpses of, all right, maybe they can get something going here. But the Eagles rebutted everything they tried to do. Exactly, and that's a good point because I felt New England's a second-half team. Bill Belichick makes the most adjustments in a game. And what did the the Patriots do when they got the ball at the half? Stormed down the field, scored a touchdown right away. What did the Eagles do? Next drive, scored a touchdown right away. So it was just like everything, every time they punched – the Eagles had a counterpunch. So that's a good point by you. But but yeah, that there was never that moment where I was like, okay, f- you know, they held them. No, I mean, it was just every single time the, the Patriots did something, I mean, the Eagles offense did the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. Interesting to me is the most accurate kicker of all time leaving a uh, four points on, on the field. Missed a field goal, missed an extra point. Not that that's a game changer, but I were in the first half, like you said, when they got demoralized, those points would have helped. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's not just, and it's those points, and it's also the fact, Eagles go down there, they make it 3 nothing, And I'm like, okay, Patriots, bad start. But I had told you, I said, this is not going to be like the Patriots for. The Patriots are going to get this lead. They're going to go, they're going to move the ball. The Patriots go down, and they kick a field goal. But on that, in that play, on a third down, on a fr- they got a first down, but Gorkowski, remember he ran across about the eight-yard line mm-hmm. and got tackled. And Rodney McLeod, an undrafted freeze agent from Virginia, makes an amazing, who tackles Gronkowski one-on-one? <laughs> Not a lot of people. score a touchdown. The Eagles come down. They score a touchdown, miss the extra point. The Patriots go down. They go down. It's amazing. Again, remember when Crooks went about to score about a touchdown? Again, McLeod tackles him. So he had two on amazing one-on-one tackles to stop them, and they miss a field goal on that. Then the second quarter comes down, and the Eagles get a three and out. So right now the score is 9-3, and I'm saying to myself, okay, it's fine. We have, they have played terrible. That's exactly what I was thinking. It's the, fine. Right, it's okay, it's okay. And then the Patriots go down, they get down to the fourth and they go down on the third and five, and that's when they did the Brady the Brady pass. The pass yeah. Yeah. The Amadola. Which still I have no idea how he didn't catch. Well, I thought Amandola could have thrown it better, maybe, but the Amandola to Brady. But then they went on fourth down. Mm-hmm. They're on the thirty-five. It's a fifty-two yard field goal. I mean to go for it on fourth down there. Do they if if they don't miss that field goal, if they don't miss the extra point. They're not going for it on fourth and five. They're kicking a field goal, and that game's now nine six. Or, or yeah, at that point, they're almost taking the lead if they would have converted on the extra point and the uh, and the field goal. So those little things that you don't think add up because it's a point here, it's a missed field goal there. It kind of changes how Bill Belichick goes into that next situation. You know, a fifty-two yard kicker, a, a, a field goal 
from uh, how do we say his name? Hashkushka. Hashkushka. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but but at the end of the day, I mean that that changed the dynamic of the game. It changed the way Bill Belichick wanted to call his plays. Let's uh, let's hear from you. Eight seven seven nine six zero ninety nine sixty. What's your take on the Super Bowl? Eight seven seven nine six zero ninety nine sixty. It's seven fourteen. This is Iron Sports with Mike and Sean ninety five nine, the True Oldies Channel. So Iron, we're moving into the second half. Things did change. Like Sean said, they came out immediately and scored. And I'm like, but it was still never in my head, Brady's going to take this game over like I've felt thousands of times in my life. I want to just jump to the second quarter for one second. Because what happened is then when it was 15-6, I felt after the Pats went down, uh, the Eagles went three and out, and then the Pats went down, and then they threw the interception. The Eagles went through the interception. So now I'm all excited. So it's 15-6. But the thing is that the, before, there's seven minutes to go in the first half. They're down 56. They had they got down to the 8, the 8, the 35, and the 27 of Philadelphia. And they get six points. I mean, this is the Patriots. It's so unpatriotic. They went down. This is not red zone, whatever you want to call it. Getting six points. I mean, they should be up right now. Even if their defense was terrible and awful, the world's coming. Can they still be up 28-15? How about 24-15 mm-hmm. to take the lead? One thing that changed, though, especially right in that time, especially in the second quarter, Losing Cooks, I mean, really hurt. If you watched him, just just him being as dynamic as he was, you know, even on the on the catch that he got injured on. I mean, I think he got a pass interference in the first quarter uh, that he was down the field, and I think that's what put him inside the eight at one point. Um, you know, losing Cooks, I mean, that changes your game. I, they really, I know Hogan is a guy that can stretch the field, but Cooks is your your home run threat on every single play. He can he can change the game. So I know he's not a big red zone guy, but to put him in there and force one of their better D backs onto a guy like cooks and not maybe not be able to double Gronk or or stuff like that. Mm. That's where we see that impact. And that was something that, you know, listening today and even going through the game, I mean, they almost made light of it because it's like, all right, just next man up. And and, and Tom Brady still threw for 500 yards. But I mean, that was that was a big loss uh, right then, especially in that moment when he was he was really rolling. Absolutely. Ira, so then, uh, you know, continue. Second quarter, <laughs> we're getting towards the half. Right. So the after the intercept, then the Pats went went down, and after that's White ran. So it's 15-12. They score a touchdown. Mm-hmm. They, they miss the extra point. So there's the missed extra point. But I'm thinking, okay, there's two minutes to go in the first half. They're down 15-12. They're going to hold the Eagles. The Eagles are going to punt. Pats get the ball. They're gonna, Brady's going to go down. They'll kick a field goal, 15-15, and they get the ball the second half. But what do the Eagles do? Yeah. Clement, the 55-yard oh, yeah. uh, scamper down. And then, of course, then they go on fourth down, and they get the play and and uh, and full scores a touchdown great and, play by the way and, one of the best trick plays you always see trick plays in the super bowl that's got to be one of the best that we've ever seen and that's it so it's 22 it's 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 22-12. And instead of being 15-15, I just felt like that's when that was just lost in the first half. Yeah. Call, calls are starting to roll in. We want to hear from you. 877-960-9960 to chime in. 877-960-9960. Mary Beth is on the line with us. Mary Beth, how are you? I'm fine. I wanted the uh, Eagles to win, but I have a question sure. for Ira. Why do you or do you think the end of the game would have had a different score if Malcolm Butler had been in there? Because I thought that the first half, the the Patriots really, I didn't think their defense was that good. Well, clearly Butler. I mean, he was the superstar and won the game against Seattle for them. He's been played it. I think was a Pro Bowler last year. Ninety-eight percent of their play. So he was healthy all year. He was in all year. And he did a phenomenal, and I just, it, we don't know. I mean, Mike, you were talking about, there's rumors about why he didn't play, but yeah. to take out one of your superstar defensive players, 
clearly a problem. Uh, I think that it was probably a little shocking to the Eagles side. Yeah, this they, is, the assistant coach came out and said, he said it's he. they couldn't wrap their head around it because there was no mention of this. Mm. I mean, we knew he missed media day on Monday. Belichick, um, Belichick, I think he was on an injury report as well. Then they took him off of that. Mm. We saw during the national anthem, he was really emotional because he only got the news that he wasn't starting probably about five minutes before game time. And everybody thought, okay, this guy's, you know, psyching himself up and then come to find out at the end of the game, you're like, hey, Malcolm Butler hasn't been on the field. That's why he's been crying. They are coming out today, and there's a lot of rumors as to why Malcolm Butler didn't play. Um, they're <coughs> saying, you know, Sean, you had read that uh, he was late to media day or, you know, just didn't show up altogether. There's also marijuana rumors now, too, that he was found with maybe pot in his hotel room. And, you know, obviously uh, Bill Belichick's not going to let that fly. It must have been something significant, though. And Mo- Malcolm Butler actually came out today and released a pretty damning statement you know, like, I really think I could have helped us yesterday. Yeah. Something, well, even snarkier than that. Yeah, he he's did. not going to be a patient. He said they, they, said they gave up on me. Well, yeah, and I think I think they haven't been able to agree to a long-term contract. That's why he was, uh, during the trade deadline, they were they were trying to work out something with the Saints. More than likely, he's going to go to the Saints next year. I think that would be my prediction. But, um, yeah, he came out, and, and you know, I'm not going to say the one word, but he said they gave up on me, and yeah. he threw an explicit uh, <laughs> word <laughs> in between that, so I won't say it on air. Mary Beth, I want to thank you so much for the call. We want to hear from you, 877 9960 Iron Sports 959 True Oldies Channel. Mark is on the line with us. Mark, how are you? All right, how you doing, guys? How you doing, Mike and Sean? Always we- fun to be on. Thanks for having me on today. Listen, I've heard rumors that you are like a New England Patriots super fan and you were at the game yesterday. Yeah, well, I don't know if I call myself a super fan, but I am sitting here in uh, Minneapolis in like eight degree weather, um, <laughs> having suffered through the depression of losing yesterday. Although the truth is, I keep saying to myself, well, you know, we've won all these Super Bowls. We're likely going to be back again next year. I'm not as depressed I as I was after I saw the Giants. When the Giants beat them and they went 18-1, and I was depressed the next day. I don't feel as depressed today, although I am bummed out. Mark, tell us, I mean, obviously, it was a great game, regardless if, if you got the, the um, you know, the, the outcome that you wanted. But can you tell us a little bit about what, are the, what was the atmosphere uh, there in Minneapolis? Well, you know, it's very strange here. Uh, I sat behind the Patriots bench, and whenever I sit behind the Patriots bench during a Super Bowl, and I've been to four of them, uh, you really do find a very robust Patriot crowd there. Yeah. They're cheering. They're very loud. They make noise when the, uh, well, in this case, the Eagles had the ball. But i got to tell you, I was very surprised when I sat down in my seats and was surrounded largely by Eagles fans. I'm like, what's going on here? And I think that the Eagles had a much better turnout at the Super Bowl, and they were far louder than the Patriots fans uh, right there on the field. And I, I should let you know that I was like in a seat that was basically below where Robert, you know, where the craft box was, wow. and I was surprised at the very robust Eagles presence. Now, with that said, there is something interesting about this. I don't think the Eagles fans actually thought they were going to win until they won. Because even when they would score and even then when they had the lead, it was very interesting how the Eagles fans, whenever Brady you know, came back onto the field, you could see in their face and their expressions, oh boy, here it goes. And uh, only at the end did you really feel that they let loose. But they were allowed, but I think they were always worried they were going to blow the game. And uh, frankly, there's a very good chance they could have lost that game. Uh, but for a couple things at the end, Mark, what percent? Do you, if, you, if you could, I know it's tough to give an exact number, but what, what percent do you think the fans were? Eagle fans, Patriot fans, and just people there enjoying the game. 
I would say from the feel I had, I would say 65 to 70 percent were cheering for the Eagles and the rest for the Patriots. Uh, and then it was you could tell because when the Eagles had the ball, it really was not that loud. You know, you, you know, I, I mean, you've all been to football games, you know, when the visiting team has the ball, it's extremely loud usually. Here, when the Eagles had the ball, it was almost like a home game for them. There was some noise, but certainly not the sort of noise that you would think that Foles would have to go to, let's say, a silent count. In contrast, I thought there were many instances during the game where I'm guessing the Patriots had to go to a silent count at the line of scrimmage because they couldn't hear them. No, it, it makes perfect sense. You know, maybe some of the issue, Mark, is that you guys are in the Super Bowl 12 of the last 14 years or whatever it is. Philly's yeah. only been there once in the last 20, so maybe they had more of an, an incentive to come out. I'm sure the weather has been fun. Once again, we want to hear uh, from you as well, 877-960-9960. So you, you're already guaranteeing back to the uh, Super Bowl next year. How about, how about that, Mark? Oh, I think there's an excellent chance. I mean, Look, when you're the champion of the AFC, someone's got to beat you, right? The question is, who's going to beat the Patriots? And you go back to the Steelers, but I and I know Ira likes the Steelers, but he's, the truth he's is, wearing he's the Steelers hat right Tomlin, now. Who I think is, you know, who is not a strong. Uh, I just think Mike Tomlin does doesn't call a good game. Um, but I mean, you know, Ira may beg to disagree here. But uh, at the end of the day, until when you're the champion, until someone knocks you off, you're the champion. Tom Brady's coming back. Bill Belichick's coming back. And that's a pretty good start to any season. And Tom Brady just seems to get better every season. It's just absolutely amazing. Mark, before we let you go, I think what everybody's wondering right now is did you see anything crazy in the stands? I mean, we know that Philly fans have a really poor reputation uh, around the league. You see anything crazy like that? I did not see anything crazy in the stadium, and that's because everywhere I looked, you either had local police department or federal police department. I actually saw someone from Customs. I was trying to figure out why ICE was there. But yes, indeed, you saw federal and state law enforcement everywhere. And, uh, I, you know, I, even the Eagles fans were very loud, but they were relatively well-behaved. And the only thing that made me really upset that the Patriots never really took control of the game is because it denied me the opportunity to use my favorite taunt to Eagles fans, which is that, hey, Rocky's a movie. He doesn't actually exist, you know. And I couldn't use that taunt once at the game, and I'm really upset about it. Um, I was just wondering, I mean, in the in the stadium, I haven't been to that stadium. It's it's supposedly on TV. looked absolutely amazing what they did in the halftime show with the colors and everything. From the sta- I know you've been to a ton of NFL stadiums. How does that stadium yep. rank in terms of been stadiums? Uh, in terms of once you're in your seat, it's a great stadium. You have a lot of room for a seat. You've got plenty of room in the seat and around your seat for your belongings. I think that's because so many of the Minnesota games you know, require you to bring a jacket to the game. And I think they added extra space in the seats so that people could bring their jackets and put it down there on the ground, which is a big deal there. Um, the state, it was very close to the action. I was about 30 rows back, but truthfully, I felt like I was right on top of the field. I had great sight lines for all the plays in the game. My biggest criticism of, of, of U.S. Bank Stadium was that because it was cold, you know how sometimes when you're in a warm weather stadium and you want to walk your seats, you'll walk around the outside of the stadium? What happened here was because of the cold weather, everyone decided to walk around the stadium on the inside of the stadium, and that made for very, very slow-moving traffic to get to your seat because everyone was indoors. Nobody was outdoors walking to their seats. 
You know, I would have never thought about that. Mark, I want to thank you so much for the call. I'm glad uh, glad you got to make it out to the game, even if you didn't get the score that you liked. We want to hear from you, though. 877-960-9960. 877-960-9960. Your takes on the Super Bowl. And do you agree with Mark? Tom Brady kind of punching it up for the 2019 Super Bowl as well. 725, Iron Sports, 95.9, the True Oldies Channel. Mike and Sean here with you as well. So, Ira, are we, are we into the half yet? I mean, we're breaking yes. this down. Where are we at? We're at halftime. Okay. We're at Justin Timberlake. <laughs> Justin Timberlake. We could talk about that for a second. This was extremely polarizing across social media today. I, for one, enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good as far as Super Bowl shows go. But everybody on the internet either thought it was the best thing they've ever seen or they hated it. So, Ira, what was your take? I was just nervous about the game. I mean, I really, I've been to the Super Bowls. I, I, I watched it, but I, I just thought it was cool. I think when they showed the whole town looking purple, I thought that it was, was neat. neat. And I did think the Prince tribute was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but I, it's, it was, it was nice. I mean, I thought there was people who thought NSYNC was going to come back mm-hmm. with him and maybe Janet Jackson. That didn't happen. But I was with it in a large group at a house and the women loved it. I mean, they were yeah. all into it. Everyone seemed they liked Justin Timberlake. They liked his songs. It's, his songs aren't controversial. He seemed to be, exactly. cro- he's a, crossover artist uh, very popular so I think it was a in the end it was a good choice you hit the nail on the head with that every woman that I was with yeah. was glued <laughs> to the TV to see Justin Timberlake and, and his dance moves the, you know the Prince thing was kind of interesting that a lot of people there was backlash about that today like you know that's that's um What's the word? It was bad taste to have a trip. Yeah. This is this guy's city. What do you you think Justin Timberlake decided to do this? Some producer said, this is what we're doing. You're going to sing some Prince songs for being um, in Minneapolis. I, I just thought that was a, a dumb thing for people to harp on. Sean, what was your take on JT? Well, same thing. As, as, you, as you point out, Mike, it's like you can't please everybody, especially in the day and age that we live in. It's like you either love something or you're just completely offended. And that's what I like. I was like, <laughs> how could anybody just watch this and be like, I am outraged at this halftime show. I was like, just get off Twitter. You should delete your your Twitter account because nobody cares what your opinion is. I thought it was very um, safe, you know, the songs that he had. I mean, the dance routines were good. Was it you know, I always go back to, I thought Bruno Mars uh, during the Seattle when they blew out Denver, mm. I thought that was like the best halftime show that I've seen in years He's years. an entertainer. I, he, that was unbelievable. Was it that? No. But was it, you know, The Who? Was it even like when Bruce Springsteen played? I mean, like you, you, Paul McCartney, I'm not saying that those weren't good, but at the same time, I'm like, this got everybody in the house excited. They wanted to watch it. I thought it was great. The dancing was good. And, and let's move on. You are right, though, Ira. <laughs> the most disappointing thing to me, no Joey Fatone, no Lance Bass, no JC yeah. Chazes. How did these guys not at least pop in? Joey Fatone was in one of the commercials with yeah. Iggy Azalea. Yeah, the the one, monster. Uh, I saw him. I was like, is that Joey Fatone? Give me one bye, bye, bye. That's all I want. I was hoping for that. All right, Ira, we're kicking off the second half, and Patriots come out hot. They score. I mean, it was Gronk, Gronk, and Gronk. I mean, that reminded me. That first drive, Pittsburgh Steeler, the drive at the you know the fourth quarter, all over. It's like, we're just going to keep throwing to Gronk. Mm-hmm. You can't stop him. And he's going to catch the ball four times and score a touchdown. Like, I think he had, yeah, it was four catches for like 70 yards on that drive or something. I mean, it was crazy. But then you were right, because then what happened back is the Eagles come back and score a touchdown themselves. And, now mm-hmm. that, and then that's where the Clement catch comes in, which is controversial. And that's when, it, that's when it hit me that this might not be the year for Tom Brady. As soon as, you know, you can only do so much. 500 yards, fantastic. You can't play defense. And if your team's letting up 41 points, not easy to win Super Bowl. So what, what happens from there? 
Patriots come down, score another touchdown, 29-26. And then I thought the Eagles, that's where I felt like they were like serving back and forth or whatever, and I said, touchdown, touchdown, field. Then they kicked the field goal, and that's where they went down. It was like third and three, and that's when they threw that Aguilar, and he lost yards, and then they had to go and kick that field goal. So now it's 32-26, 14 minutes to go, and now the Patriots get the ball. And I'm like, this is when it comes. I, I still had hope the Patriots were. That's where I felt like, now they're coming. Now we're at the Kentucky Derby. We're turning home, mm-hmm. and yeah. now the, now it's this is when that horse was like in fifth or sixth place. It's making that turn, and you can see, you can watch that Derby and see that turn, and you're saying, that's the yep. horse that's going to win. He's got the lane. He's, he's ready <laughs> and, to go. And they go down, and it's like Burkhead, Amadola, Amadola, then White, then Gronk, touchdown, 33-32. So the first now, if you take that last drive out, the Patriots had scored touchdowns on their last four drives. They had one in the, the last drive in the first half and three drives in a row. Mm-hmm. So they now, I'm like, they're unstoppable. Can their defense just do it one time? Do something. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Do something and for then us. I think get a big sack. Do, get, we don't even need the ball back. Just get a sack. Do something. I mean, there is now, yeah, there's 9.22 left in the game. 9.22. The Eagles get the ball, um, you know, they're on the 25, and it's third and six on the 29-yard line on the Phillies 29. And that's when, remember when Foles did that sidearm throw? When he released that ball to Ertz, mm. I'm like, what's he mm-hmm. throwing? Like, that's what, who's that quarterback that used to throw sidearm and they make fun of? I mean, that was like Kent Colby almost <laughs> underarm, you know, where he threw that ball. And I was like, and then it's it. Then they stopped, and then it was second and eight, and that's when uh, Chung made that big stop on Clement mm-hmm. to make it third and one, and then they throw it at Smith, and now it's no game. Now I'm thinking, okay, this is when the Patriots, it's fourth and one, and they're ready to go. They're going to punt. I've, yeah. I felt, but then in my mind, I said, you know what? Peterson's going to go for it. I wasn't as surprised as the commentators were that he went for it. I feel like he felt like if we turn it over, they're just going to score another touchdown. Yeah, they, were, they had more fourth, uh, fourth down attempts this year than any other team. So it's not like there's no precedent for them taking shots, you know? Yeah, I just wasn't surprised. I mean, Collinsworth was like, that's such an amazing move. I can't believe he, he did it. He was off his game last night, Collinsworth. <laughs> he was not as good as, and I don't think he's great anyways, but there was yeah, a lot of rough calls at him. <laughs> but I like uh, that Ertz play, and that's what you see in college a lot. When you see Ertz run down that line, so many times they catch the ball and they're a yard short or a half. He was right over that line. when it, mm-hmm. He gave a perfect angle. I mean, I, I think I saw a stat where Ertz hasn't dropped a ball all year. I mean, I'm sure that's a favorite statistic, but amazing. But he throws mm-hmm. it to Ertz, they get a first down, and I think that broke that broke the back of doing because then it was like Foles to Aguilar, Foles to Aguilar, Foles to Aguilar again, 10, 18, 10 yards, Jay Ajay, and then Foles, and then they go, and then they go. That was Ertz touchdown. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's a, and I, I don't think that was controversial, the touchdown. No, the Ertz was not. The uh, the, the Clement, Clement was, was definitely. I mean, he was bobbling it out. Um, and that's that's one takeaway that you got to take away from this game, too. It's like, it, at least for this game, the NFL kind of made it fun again. You know, where it's like, okay, we're not, even when they went to like any time they had to go they look put the at the booth. Away. They let New York do it. The guy, the ref didn't even go over to the sideline, mm-hmm. um, you know, and they, they did. They put the flags away. So uh, the game I thought was extremely fast. I mean, what t- it ended at 10, 15. Great I mean, point, yeah. I, I remember watching uh, this, this Steeler, I mean, the uh, Pats uh, Seattle Super Bowl, and I think it ended at 1230. Mm-hmm. So I was actually surprised. I was like, this game is moving. That was a very good point. This is Iron Sports 95.9 True Oldies Channel. Mike and Sean here with you as well. Love to hear from you. Your thoughts on the Super Bowl. 877-960-9960. All right, Iris. So where are we at now? 
38-33. And you're saying... This game is good. And you're it's good, and you're looking... And I, but in my mind was like, can he do it again? Like, can he come down <laughs> again and score? And I was like, is this going to be Giants? I think I texted you at that time. Mm. I go, is this going to be Giants game? Or is this going to be <coughs> Atlanta? Like, is he going to do? And then when he... And I'm like, I was nervous. I was nervous. And then he get they finally get pressure up the middle or mm. on the sort of the side, the fumble. But then you know what's funny is everyone kept saying that Peterson is so reckless and he's a swashbuckler and all this stuff. But when it's they played for that field goal to go 41-33. If he was mm-hmm. such a gambler, wouldn't you want to end wouldn't you just want to end it there and not give him any shot to mm-hmm. get the ball back? Like that's I was thinking I that in my head. You know, because he it was 41-33. It's like he went down to Atlanta and had to score a touchdown and get a two-point conversion. Mm-hmm. So if he was such a gambler, yeah. wouldn't he have pushed that so that, that they get the ball? If they got one first down, the Eagles were out of the Patriots were out of timeouts, the game would have been over. Mm-hmm. So it, it was definitely interesting how the different management styles played out against each other, you know, and, and you're right. Doug Peterson is saying he's, he's reckless, but that wasn't really a reckless goal. He did take some chances. And I appreciate that, that you kind of have to do that to beat the Patriots. Take you have some nothing chances. to lose. You're playing Tom Brady and Bill Belichick in the Super Bowl. You don't have your starting left tackle. You lost your middle linebacker for the year. Darren you Sproles. lost your MVP caliber quarterback and are playing Nick Foles. You lost Darren Sproles before the year started. What at this point do you have to lose? It's like, just go for it. And and that's what Peterson, he, he showed. I mean, so, and that's why he, you know, is a coach of the year candidate. So why we look at Iowa, we're, we're, we're almost into the fourth. We're done. We're it's done? Like, uh, 41-30, then he gets, I mean, uh, yeah, then he gets the ball back, before. but then at that point I'm depressed. You know, they get the field goal, <laughs> and I'm like, they're not going. And, you know, it's hard to run. And this is where I think Crooks would have made a difference. Crooks would have made a difference. I think on those last two plays, they needed some downward threat. Mm-hmm. And I think the commentators made a, uh, a comment that uh, um, at the end of the last, the, the the Hail Mary play, maybe Crooks could have been down. Something else could have happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, And it's hard, because when you look at the stats, I mean, you have Tom Brady throwing for 505, so you're like, oh, well, how much better could Brady have played with Cooks? It's it's like it just changes the way yeah, you do stuff, you know. So, um, and he's just so explosive, you know. Whether it's even, you know, instead of throwing it to Amendola, and even on the last play of the game, you know, who knows? If instead of throwing that to Amendola, you throw it to Brandon Cooks, who's one of the fastest guys in the league, and maybe he hits that seam because when I, when when they threw that ball, it's like he's got a seam here. I mean, he could he's mm-hmm. only got like one or two guys to beat, and he could take it to the house. And you know, I'd rather put that ball in Cooks' hands than than Amendola. All right, let's talk about how this Super Bowl ranks. And Entertainment-wise, it was one of the best I've ever seen. <clears throat> However, it's tough to gauge. I mean, we've been pretty lucky and had, you know, probably eight amazing Super Bowls in the last decade. There hasn't been many that were just like, you know, you stopped serve, or served your food uh, in the Seattle, second Seattle, Denver. I mean, that, that game was bad. But, but outside of that, I mean, we've had a, a string of great games. Um, yeah, no, for the most part, it has been pretty good. So where does last night rank all time on your Super Bowl list, Ira? Well, I'm partial to the Steelers winning and whatever. So I think, I mean, my first, like, I mean, Super Bowl 13, 35 31, Bradshaw Staubach. I mean, that was just unbelievable. I just remember, like, being, I don't think I slept for a week. So I love that game. And I thought that was certainly when the Steelers beat the Cardinals and the San Antonio Holmes in the Mm -hmm. end of the end zone. So I thought that was. You know, those are my, my two amazing Super Bowls. Without a doubt that uh, the Cardinals and Steelers Super Bowl is one of the best I've ever seen. I'm not even a Steeler fan. And I, I put that ahead of the two giant Super Bowls that we've seen recently, just in, of sheer entertainment. Uh, the Harrison touchdown and the half. You know what I mean? Little things like that. That Super Bowl just absolutely had it all. Sean, where does this rank for you? Uh, it has to be at the top, you know. And I, and I actually had Pittsburgh and Arizona on my list. I think the Pat-Seattle game, you know, uh, a few years ago was fantastic. I go back to, you know, my middle school days. And, and you would know because you're 
somewhat of a Titans fan as well, but oh, you yeah. know, Rams Titans. I mean, that that was a phenomenal game. Um, I do think both the Giants and Pats, even though they were low scoring, they were just great games. Absolutely. Um, but even like when you go back to the old school, like I said, you know, I was thinking about because I am a Cowboys fan and we did lose twice to the Steelers in the seventies, and you know, Bradshaw and Staubach. But name it the Unitas. I mean, I you, you like watch that game now on like replays. It's like what a great game. You know, even that's a low scoring game. It just it's it means something in history. Um, Elway versus Favre, where Elway won his first one and he. Yeah. Spins around. I mean, like that. That stuff is in NFL lore forever. So this game will go down. But you know, were there any real plays that are outside of the trick plays? You know, I, to me, it's like you got to put it up there because it was. It was gunslinger and it's a high score mm-hmm. and it was. There was a lot of entertainment to it. But you know, when we go back in ten years from now, we're going to say, oh, hey, remember that game? The and awesome Ajayi it, run. Exa- yeah, it's not going to happen. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so like, I don't think there was one defining moment of that game where it was like, oh my god, that's the play. You know, a, a trip. A reverse to Nick Foles. I don't think he's gonna <laughs> go down as one of the best plays in Super Bowl. Do you history. think he was? Do you th- I thought he was in motion on that. You know, he was setting up and, and moving his hands and everything. He's not allowed to do that when he's on there. Like basically, that. what he did it because it was a direct snap. He walked over to the right tackle and basically was calling an audible. So it wasn't that he had to be set because that's kind of the that's kind of the gimmick. And because he's not essentially an eligible receiver once the play gets out of the tackle tackle box then he could kind of roll out and, and move so there was a lot of interesting uh formations we should say and there's probably a couple of illegal ones too that weren't called we'll talk about the refs in, in a couple of minutes but speaking of nick Foles, he, he was deserving of the mvp he won the game he had a great game at two if you had to pick an MVP not named Nick Foles, who are you going to give this one to? I heard I'm taking this from what I heard today, but I think Peterson. I said it last week. I said he's the best. I, I yeah. thought that. I think just keeping them in the game, the game planning, everything. I thought he was great. I thought he he coached a great. I mean, I I I thought he did a great job. Eight years ago, this guy was a high school football coach. Yeah. Eight years ago, amazing. he was a high school football coach. Think about how far you've come to be winning the Super and Bowl not with even a team elite, that's never won a Super Bowl. And not even an elite school that he was no. at. He wasn't <laughs> at like one of those powers no. and you know, in Miami. He was doing, the, he was doing the, uh, he was moonlighting as the janitor there as well. <laughs> ESPN uh, <laughs> wrote an article um, two years ago about who was the best coach hire this year and who was the worst. They had Hugh Jackson as the best and Doug Peterson <laughs> as the worst. Of the six coaches, the six new coaches, they had him, that's him as That's worse than my prediction. And that's game. why yes. no one watches ESPN anymore. <laughs> Absolutely right. Uh, but in terms of MVPs, Nick, uh, um, instead Mike of Nick Foles, oh, well, guys, I'm looking at my thing. I said, apologize, Mike. Uh, but no, um, not named Nick Foles, okay? It, it's tough. And I want to give it to groups. And it's I don't want to do that. But the offensive line for the Huge. Eagles, unbelievable. Yeah. Didn't hear Fletcher Cox name all day. No. And then, okay, and then secondly, on the if you go to the Eagles and you watch, I, I broke it down into halves, right? All you heard in the first half was like Alshon Jeffrey just making plays all over the place, whether it was getting flags, just making big time catches. I mean, his his TD catch was unbelievable. Yeah. He made he made three or four catches that were like, okay, this signing, the, the signing in this game right now, this is why you did this, mm-hmm. all right? And then the second half, it was like the Ertz and Aguilar throw. You know, he uh, Aguilar, where you said he had like three catches in a row. There was one that was like thrown behind. Behind him, I remember, and I think it was like third and six, and the Patriots had just scored, and Aguilar picks it up, and he's about three yards short. He makes that spin move, and then picks up like six past the first down, and keeps the drive going, and they went down and scored a touchdown. I was like, I was like, this guy who was a bust just in the past two years, where like the guy had to go see a shrink. They sent him home because he was like psyching they himself. They called him out. Alligator Arms Aguilar. Yeah, I mean, but he, 
and he has showed up all year. I mentioned it last week. So, uh, and then you had Burton uh, throwing a throwing a touchdown. You know, so if you look at those and Clement, I mean, he's not really a running back. I know he got three carries, but he's the guy that comes out of the backfield and, and catches mm-hmm. balls. I mean, he goes four for a hundred and makes that. Not a catch for a touchdown. So, um, but but I think if you look at those two groups, I mean, those are the guys that really just stepped up uh, uh, to me. So um, it's either the O line or or the receivers for for Philly. Well, yeah, that's funny. I, I thought it was going to be the exact opposite. I thought it was going to be the defensive line exactly. in Philly that was going to be causing issues. Like you said, Fletcher Cox, I don't think he had a single big play. He, he had one big play at the end of the game after the fumble, and then the Pats got it back again. He crashed uh, the O-line up the middle um, two times, and then that's why, obviously, you know, but they ended up getting a first down, but, I mean, he he killed a lot of that clock. Mm-hmm. No, but the offensive line for the Eagles. Like, unbelievable. I, 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 unbelievable. I can't remember Foles being pressured. I remember they lost Jason Peters, who was yeah. a, a whole one of the best left tackles in the game. Um, we were talking before we went on the air, and Sean, you brought up something that is interesting. I didn't really think about. Do we know if Carson Wentz is good? Because we just <laughs> saw Nick Foles come in and basically pick up right where Carson Wentz's MVP season let, left off at. So here's my question, Ira. Nick Foles is under contract for one more year. Do you think he's a starting quarterback somewhere next year? I think the Eagles, unless... I don't think this is. I think the Eagles would trade him for a first round pick, but oh, I but I don't think anyone else is going to view him as that. No. That's that's the because they're going to say the system. He's the system. He's the perfect system for Philadelphia, and I think Philadelphia doesn't want to just give him away because he's only under contract for seven million, and they are only paying Carson Wentz seven million. So fourteen million for two quarterbacks mm-hmm. is pretty cool. It's a steal these days. Yeah, but it's very interesting. I look back in nineteen ninety. And that's when the Giants were 11-3, and Phil Simms got hurt. Hostetler came in, took them to the Super Bowl. Yeah. They won the Super Bowl against the Bills. Next year, it was an open competition, <coughs> and Hostetler beat Simms out and was the starting quarterback the following year. It's crazy how that goes. I don't think that'll be the scenario here, especially, obviously, you know, Wentz, super young, just drafted him. I don't know if, if I'm Nick Foles if I want to be a backup anymore. Not that it's his choice, but you can start to shake some stuff up in the front office mm-hmm. and say, listen, guys, I just won the Super Bowl MVP. Trade me. I, I need to play somewhere. Like, just I can't sit behind this kid anymore. He's good. It's not like I'm gonna, yeah. gonna get you know subbed in. Sean, what's your take? Um, it, it's tough because it, it it also you know what it comes down to. It comes down to where Nick Foles plays next year. Comes down to Carson Wentz's knee. Is Carson Wentz ready to start? Yeah, if he's going to miss week a month. one, and mm-hmm. if he's not. Then they're not trading him. You know they'll they'll get rid of him. You know before the trade deadline, maybe to a team where a quarterback goes down and he come in and he kind of does what he did this year. But if I'm the Jacksonville Jaguars, I'm looking at it like, okay, well I can save I think 17 million dollars. I know they committed to Blake Bortles, but crazier things have happened when mm. front offices say they're going to keep somebody and then don't. Um, I can I get Nick Foles for one year. I have weapons around him. I'm Doug Marone. I'm the head coach. I ran kind of a run-pass option offense in Buffalo. Maybe did a little bit in Jacksonville as well. Doug Peterson kind of changed his 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 play calling around that because that's what Nick Foles does really well. Mm-hmm. That's why he was very successful under Chip Kelly, and he wasn't under uh, you know Jeff Fisher and the Rams when he went over there. Um, so do I give up a first-round pick? No. I mean, I don't even think that's on the table. But... If I was to give up and get a third round pick or or second round pick for Nick Foles, all day every day, and I'm placing Nick Foles on that Jacksonville team, and guess what? I'm a Super Bowl contender. 
you know, I don't, I don't think the market would dictate a first. We saw Garoppolo no, go for a second. Absolutely, yeah. If Jimmy Garoppolo, who's 26 years old, budding superstars going for a second round, yeah. I'd be, you'd be lucky to get a third for Nick Foles. And I think the Eagles would do that. You're getting a third round pick for somebody who should Only never touch the Wentz field. Is, if Wentz is healthy. Exactly. That's why I said it comes down to that knee. It comes down to where's his rehab at because I'm not trading that guy if if, if Wentz isn't going to be ready for the first three weeks. I, feel I want like three we, Ws. I feel like we make athletes out of titanium these days, though. It used to be ACL, you're out like uh, 16 months. Now it's like four months later that guy's there. You know what I mean? Adrian Peterson would tear his ACL two weeks later. He's just, Look at Gordon <laughs> Gordon, Hay- Gordon Hayward for the Celtics. I mean, you thought that uh, he's... He's already what? playing. Yeah. yeah, He's already dribbling and stuff. It, that was amazing because his ankle was basically just disgusting looking at how quickly that, that that came back together. So that is a good point. I mean, if Wentz is going to miss, if there's even a question Wentz is going to miss two weeks, they, they got to keep full. Of course, you can't, of course. You know, especially in that division, you want to go back to the Super Bowl. The time is now. 744, this is Iron Sports. Mike and Sean as well. 95.9 True Oldies channel. Number to chime in, 877-960-9960. I hate this season of football for one reason. All we talk about is the refs. After every game... Somebody's got an issue with the refs. We don't really know what a catch is in this league at this point. Ira, let me ask you. Do you think that both the Patriots and the Eagles got a fair shake in this game from the flags? I don't think the Patriots got a fair shake. I think what happened is Roger Goodell was on five shows, and all he did was talk about all week was, we're going to review the catch rule. I have all these Hall of Fame receivers and defensive backs here. We're talking about it, and we know what the rule is, but we don't like the rule because we want there to be a catch. We want the Jesse James to be a catch. We want Des Bryant's to be a catch. So that's all the referees heard all week Mm -hmm. that Goodell saying, we are going to change this rule. Like It's going to be be easier for a catch. We want people to have catch the ball. So that's what we're going to have. And I think that's why I, I, the Ertz touchdown, I don't think was even questionable. He took like four steps. He cut the ball I at the 10 I can't believe line. it took them that long to yeah. rule it a touchdown. Mm-hmm. I was like, what are we looking at now? Like, <laughs> And that's where the doubt comes back in. It's like, okay, well, if the Clement was a catch and now this isn't going to be a catch, yeah. like Philly would have burned that stadium down. <laughs> I personally thought the Clement was a catch. And I know a lot of people don't think it was, but – He's going back to the rule being a gray area because they've called off to Jesse James. You know what I mean? Things like that. Personally, when I see a play like that, I think in my head, that's a catch. What do you think, Ira? Um, I think they're going to change the rule. I think based on what they said, the rule, I think that's the uh, Thielen rule. Thielen, Minnesota, didn't, was, wasn't ruled mm-hmm. catch, just like in Clements where they thought he was losing the ball and touched it. So I, I think that next year, I think it's going to be – they're going to just rule all these things catches. I, the Patriots, I, I mean, if the Patriots fans want to you know, yell and scream that they lost the game because of those two plays, no, there's a lot of other issues why they lost the game. No, yeah, the million, and that's, I hate when people say that. Sometimes there is a blatant call. The Des Bryant touchdown. You know what I mean? There, there are things like that that are blatant. Or the Jesse James touchdown. Yeah, the Jesse James. That was a blatant call to, to cost you a game. This one, I don't think it was that bad. The Hail Mary... There was a lot of um, they, they never call they never they would have called interference on they they, they never call interference. Yeah. On him. Chris Hogan got blown up. Rob Gronkowski literally like stiff armed somebody forty five yards downfield. Then apparently had seven guys jump on top of him before the ball even got there. But they're not going to call that. I mean they're they're not going to call that on a hail mary. I mean it's a free for all and that's it. Yeah. The there was one call that was speculative and I didn't realize it at the time because I'm not great on uh, illegal shifts and and formations before the play. I'm kind of busy watching. 
But the Eagles did line up in a blatant um, illegal formation at one point. They didn't have enough. They didn't have seven men down. I, I don't remember wh- which which play it was. But this is something that they should catch. This is before the play. This is not a bang-bang play. This is your job to catch that. It turned out to be a big play um, for the Eagles. So there was a couple of things. But, yeah, if anyone's going to blame the refs on that game either way, like I saw a ton on social media today, they're just uh, – Blame the defensive coordinators. Right. <laughs> I think the question I – think, uh, I think the hit on Cooks, I thought that – I thought that was dirty. Me too. I, I thought the way they – now, certainly in college, the, he, Jenkins would have been an ejected from the game. Because it was blindsided now. He didn't helmet to helmet. He didn't ear hole him. I get that. But he at that point – but it was it was it was so bang bang. But my point is is that if if you're blindsiding a guy, how is that not a defenseless receiver? I mean, you could tackle that guy by just pushing him. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, and I get it. That's not the game, and, and you're out there. I mean, you're trying to send a message. And Malcolm Jenkins is no pushover. So I mean, I'm in the Super Bowl. I'm putting a lick on him like that too. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I thought we would have at least seen a flag front sports and like yeah. regular season for they would have done it for how violent that was. It was one of those things. I do think it was it was malicious. I, he, he didn't leave his feet yet, Jenkins. He, you can you're a professional athlete. You can lower your body four inches. Yeah, you know, like, it's not like he's off his feet and I can't do anything about my, my momentum at this point. He knew where he was going. He knew it was risky that he might catch Cooks in the like the jaw, like he kind of did, and took him out of the game. You're right, Ira. Though I think regular season you're getting a flag, but it, this is still a huge Possibly game. Possibly kicked out. You know what I mean? A huge game. You just knocked out their best receiver for the game. I just didn't really agree with that. Well, I mean, that's the that's the issue. I mean, <laughs> certainly, I mean, it was something to address when they hurt Gronkowski in the Jacksonville game. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to go and you're going to go helmet to helmet, and, and now with the concussion, pro- what, what I don't like is now with the concussion protocol rules, it used to be if you got a concussion or whatever, you can go back to the game. But now if you're out of the game, so you just do a helmet to helmet on a wide receiver, knock him out of the game, and the defensive player, okay, even if it's a 50-yard penalty, gets to stay in the game, mm-hmm. that's sort of not fair. Now, I don't want to go to the college rules where they're just throwing people out, out of the game all over the place, mm-hmm. but I do think that's an issue that if you're going to force people out of the game on concussions, for on the offensive side, the defense can't just have free will to do whatever they want. No, it, it's a very good point, and this might be something else we see addressed in the offseason. I feel like Goodell's going to be really busy trying to figure out some of these rules over the next couple of months. We've talked a lot about the Eagles. Let's talk about the Patriots for a minute uh, before we uh, get into some other things. I'm confused as to what's going on with this franchise. I don't think anybody outside of... Uh, Kraft, Belichick, and Brady really do know what's going to happen. Ira, what's your take on this? What's next for the Patriots? Potential breakup? They did come out today. Tom Brady said, I'm playing next year. Rob Gronkowski said, it's up in the air for me. I think he'll play, but it doesn't seem like this team is as solid as they were. They're not. What do you think is going to happen next year? I just think as long as Brady and Belichick are there, they could yeah. line up anything. I just think that's all they need. They just need those two. Those two are in. Um, uh, play ball. I mean, that's what it is. They, they continually win. Um, he Brady has shown... Uh, first of all, next year with the wide receivers, Hogan, they're going to get Edelman back yeah. with Amadola, who had a really good... And Cooks, who I just thought had a weird year, but I'm waiting for next year. I mean, when they got Cooks, I'm like, he has like Antonio Brown, like Junior, mm-hmm. and he really didn't have that great a year, but I think another year in their system, I mean, their their offense could just explode next year of mm-hmm. Edelman, Amadola, Hogan, Crooks. I'm so there's there's a lot that I like, and, and they seem to be able to pick. I don't know. They're losing Patricia on defense. Oh my gosh! I'm so. I mean, what? You're not. Bought, you don't buy in the Patricia train, right? Uh, no, I'm not. If yeah. I'm a Lion fan right now, I'm like, can we <laughs> can we re- have a redo? I mean, yeah. I mean, if you're a Lion fan and you see that you're you're. Uh, Defensive coordinator, new coach, gave up uh, 600 and, uh, 538, 538 yards. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, the Giants did just sign, um, what's his name, Shermer, and he scored seven points in the championship mm-hmm. game. So things happen, but uh, I didn't want Matt Patricia for the Giants uh, at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But 
uh, I'm even happier now, you know, with the decision. Uh, Sean, what's your take on this? You think any big shakeup at the Pats? No, I mean, uh, put it this way. You traded Garoppolo, so it's not like Brady's not coming back. He's 40 years old, just won an MVP. But doesn't that play into the rumors of what they were saying, that that Belichick wants out and he's trying to sink Kraft before he goes? No, I, I, I don't think that at all. I think that they knew that because Tom gets to call his shots. So Brady gets to call his shots there, right? So he's like, hey, I'm playing for two more years. Guess what, Belichick's, all right, I guess he's playing for two more years. They couldn't keep Garoppolo anymore. I mean, as 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 bummish as— Belichick supposedly wanted to start Garoppolo, Of though. course, because he's a I, young I guy. I can't, gets be- I can't believe I don't buy that. Yeah, I don't buy that either. Yeah, buy but, that either. But, but my point is, is that they couldn't do it to Garoppolo anymore because, as you can see, he's a budding superstar in this league, and it's unfair to him. Just let him go. I mean, mm. we, they've done it time after time. Um, Brett Favre they, would have no problem standing already, they already are leading Vegas for um, winning the Super Bowl. Literally, have the best Super Bowl odds, and and they're beating uh, the Eagles. I think I think they were five to one. And the Eagles were eight to one, if I remember um, correctly. But it's just reload. I mean, you're you're bringing your offense back. Gronk will be there. I understand what Gronk's saying, you know, and it's like, oh, there's some dysfunction. Butler, they try to get rid of already because they don't want to pay him because even though he's their number one, is he truly? He's not going to be a number one in in for the Saints where he was going. I mean, Marshall Lattimore is a monster. Mm-hmm. I mean, that kid's amazing. But you know, you brought in Gilmore. I think that's why they made that trade. But they're the Patriots. They're not going anywhere as long as they have Belichick and Brady. I think the one thing that they have to do. Um, is draft because there's so many quarterbacks that are going to be taken in this first round, and there's going to be a few that fall. They have to take a quarterback in the first round with that pick, and there are three guys that I think that could actually fall to them. Lamar Jackson, uh, at, you know, Heisman winner at Louisville, yep. Jake Allen, Wyoming, or Mason uh, uh, Rudolph from, uh, from Oklahoma State. Josh Allen well, might go number one. I think, you know, and, and I think he could. Yeah. I mean, he possibly could, but with Darnold, you know, the Baker Mayfield hype is crazy right now. Uh, Rosen, but but I do think, God forbid, Allen does fall. I mean, and but you have a Lamar Jackson, somebody like that that could come in, learn under Brady for two years, and is mm-hmm. a first-round pick. I mean, I think at this point they're so loaded with talent everywhere. I know their defense didn't show up during this game, but when you look at the depth, I mean, they, they lost their starting middle linebacker. They brought a guy in that I think was like literally a four-string linebacker for some other team. They traded for, I forgot the guy's name, and was a stud. I mean, he was getting 10, 15 tackles a game. I'm not sure if they'll use it use their first round pick on one, but they do have the fourth or what was a fifth pick in the second round. They're going to use the Garoppolo pick to pick yeah. their quarterback. They're yeah. going to use the Garoppolo pick to pick Lamar quarterback. Jackson's an interesting take because he's kind of the same quarterback as Jacoby Brissett. Maybe not. I mean, obviously, Jackson's a lot more dynamic than Brissett, but it's the same style. And if the, if the Patriots were invested in that um, last year, you know, maybe that's something that they can look forward to. They're, definitely dra- they, that fits they're drafting a quarterback. I oh, mean, that, that, that's 100%. They should draft three quarterbacks. And they should, you draft, don't know what's and they should draft early. I, I absolutely, you know, I 100% think that they will, but we're, we're going to have to wait and see. Let's shift gears out to a little NBA before we have to wrap this up. 754, it's Ira on Sports with Mike and Sean, 95.9, the true oldies channel. Ira, you like the NBA more than anybody I've ever met. And listen, I think we all loved the NBA in 1994. You know, that was the, the heyday, the 90s. Nowadays, I think the NBA, to me, has lost a little bit of its luster. But this is the time of year that I love. Trade deadline. I think it's Friday or Thursday. It's the 8th is the NBA trade deadline. There should be some moves and shakes here. What do you think needs to happen here at the NBA trade deadline? Uh, you know, the Cavaliers need to make a move. Have They're, to. They, Have to. They are a disaster. I was I was at the game <laughs> against the Rockets, and it was, it, I mean, you. it's laughable when you're there, and you see a pick and roll, and somehow Isaiah Thomas is guarding Nene. 
I mean, it is on. Nene is looking that he's not tripping and hurting his knee. I mean, it was like, but it's, he's rolling to the basket. There's no, and then I love how none of the Cavaliers want to stop Nene. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, that's your man, Isaiah. Yeah, you stop him. Like, I don't know how you're going to do it, but you somehow figure out some way to stop Nene, who outweighs you three to one. Oh I, it's unbelievable. And they, and it was, it was sad because the Rockets are the type of team. The Cavaliers, they like to goof off. They, they're lazy a little bit. The Rockets will make you pay. Every Rocket out there besides Capella or Nene shoot threes. You want P.J. Tucker who no one's ever heard of us listening <laughs> to this. P.J. Tucker can drain threes. If you leave him wide open, he'll make five threes on you. He's mm-hmm. just going to shoot threes. Ryan Anderson's going to shoot threes on you. They didn't have Trevor Ariza and they were shooting threes. And then of course Harden and Paul it was just the Cav- they were the, the perfect antidote for the for the Cavaliers because when the Cavaliers wanted to be lazy it was just a joke. They were up by 30. I saw the difference. <laughs> was I wanted to know how much difference the LeBron the, in the Gundarine or whatever the Cook and Loans arena they have it do they go the difference so how far that they're up or points or how many they're down and it was like 34 points and i'm wondering could lebron ever could a lebron james p team that he's playing in be down 34 points in a game i mean was Absolutely. michael jordan ever down 34 points in a game no there's no way michael jordan <laughs> could have been. lost by like 47 i mean it was crazy it, it, it was awful. It, so that's from the from the Cavaliers side. What about it from the contenders side? You think Houston should try to be adding one more piece to really make a run at Golden State? I just think it's some teams. I think that Lou Williams for the Clippers is so hot and is shooting so well. And I just think that he's not really needed, needed the Clippers. He's got to go somewhere. He's going to be a little difference maker. Some. I think he's someone. And I think DeAndre Jordan has to go somewhere. Yeah. And that move. And I'm going to say I was going to say this for my big pick, but I'm going to say it right now. Maybe Whitesides gets traded. I just think that, I don't know, that I'm not... <laughs> Errol Egan, our chief of master control, big, big heat fan, he's like, yes. But it's like he has an illness and he's hurt and they don't seem to want him in the game and they're not playing him. And I think that it would be a shock, but to get his, he earns a lot of money, but some teams want him. And the way they play, I think is... Yeah. <laughs> and I think the way they play, I think they can say, and Abayu is playing really good and coming Abayu in. Abayu is good. And, yeah. and I think that they're like, we don't need to be paying this guy $27 million. Without the million. ego, too. He's like, he's like, without the ego. It, Whiteside reminds me of like Andrew Bynum. Like all the talent in the world, but just doesn't seem to want to be there. He was not the guy I would have invested in. Not that they really had a not choice a once million. LeBron walked, but it, it, it's just, yeah, there was a lot of money to give us on Whiteside. Coming off of, he averaged a double-double that, you know, that that year. You know, he's putting up 20 and 12 every night. It looks good, but yeah, he's, he's a cut character flaws, and that, that's what I don't like. But it's also a player who I think they can get. Like Jordan and, and, and him are both on contract. I mean, someone could want Whiteside, and that's the key in a lot of these deals. LeBron will take Whiteside. Yeah. Oh, that and that could be a trade. I mean, there could be something with that. It's just so interesting in terms of what these teams like, who's buyers, who's sellers, what's going to happen. I, I, I think big things are going to happen. I, that Blake Griffin trade certainly came. I mean, I, I was there. I told you it's last week. I'm at the game. I'm in the third row and watching and Jerry West is sitting there next to Kevin Hart. Now, Kevin Hart got a great seat for the Clipper game, but not you heard he <laughs> Who's taller, Kevin Hart or Isaiah Thomas? I think I didn't see that, but it was not like Kevin Hart had trouble. He was trying to be on the Eagles on the podium. Mm, yeah. But Kevin and Jerry West was not talking to Kevin Hart the whole game. They were sitting right next to each other. Cuz Jerry West doesn't know who Kevin Hart is. <laughs> but he was focused on Blake Griffin and he was seeing what I said last week at the show, a, per, a superstar that's not interested who's complaining, who's moping and said, "You know what? We got to get rid of him." And I think Jerry West Look at the, that goes games that I saw against Timberwolves against the Celtics, and that's when he said we're going to trade uh, Blake, uh, Blake Griffin. Shawnee, any um, NBA trade deadline move you think needs to happen? 
Well, it's going to be part of my my bold prediction. But <laughs> look at you guys. Paul George will be a Cavalier or a Boston Celtic before the trade. That is so bold. That's amazing. Do we have any other bold predictions is something we do on this show. It's and I'll, and something I'll, that could happen over the course of the next week. It's a long shot. Last week we were dumpster fires on our on our bold I, predictions. Iman Shumpert and, and J.R. Smith with the 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 uh, the Brooklyn pick that'll go to um the Brooklyn pick that I think came from the Celtics um, will go to to OKC for Paul George straight up, and or you'll see Brown and Tatum with a pick go to OKC for Paul George. Paul George will be back in the East, and he'll be on the Cavs or the Boston Celtics. I that like is, that. That is amazing. <laughs> like that. I mean, I love that because I just, <laughs> because Oklahoma City is so fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, they are a fun team to watch, and then they lose to the Lakers at home, and they've yeah. lost four in a row, and they went on that eight-game win streak, and now they've lost four games in a row, and they just don't – I just I love watching them, and they lose. They mm-hmm. lost to the Lakers mm-hmm. at home. Yeah, at home. <laughs> Before we wrap this up, Ira, you're a jet setter. Let me guess. you got a flight out of here in about 10 minutes to head somewhere. What, what are you doing this week? Um – I if I'm in LA on Thursday, I would like to see. I'll see if he's going to be there because uh, Oklahoma City's playing the Lakers that night. So maybe Oklahoma City Lakers on Thursday. He'll night. be sitting, and they'll be because there's there's trade talk. <laughs> they don't want to injure him. We are about out of time here on Iron Sports with Mike and Sean. I want to thank you so much for stopping by. We'll catch up next Monday night, ninety five nine Trolley Channel.